the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. And today we have the fabulous Brett Roberts joining us on the show. Oh, you're too kind, Paul. You're too kind. Always, always a privilege to hang out, Brett. Um, thanks for coming in again today. Thank you for having me again today. Now... Lots to talk about in the tech world, but before we do that, uh, good f- if you can remind listeners where you fit into this big, wide world of if technology uh, locally. Um, I have been in the tech game for a very long time now, and currently I work for Datacom based in Auckland, uh, live in uh, beautiful Bay of Plenty, and I'm an associate director yeah, in the customer group at Datacom. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, let's jump in. Uh, Electric air taxis in the uh, in the news again, which I don't know whether it's just me, but you know I, f- I find uh, I find these sort of new uh, modes and methods of uh, of transport interesting. Even when when you sort of you know drill them down a little bit and go, well, you know, aren't they just helicopters, <laughs> um, <laughs> or aren't they just airplanes, yep. and you know, and 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 so on, but. You know, there, there is there does seem to be some real innovation that that's going on, and yeah, you know, the future of transport has the potential to be very different. And yeah, you know, I think there, there's still all sorts of discussions to be you know to be had to try and you know predict it. But in reality, I guess we'll see when these things actually get here, right? Um, well, I, look, I, this stuff fascinates me because in my dim dark past, my um, I'm actually a, I'm a qualified avionics engineer, right? So I, I love the av- aviation industry and particularly the technology around it. I never knew that. Didn't haven't I haven't I bored you with all my boring airline aircraft story? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I need to step up. Um, so yeah, I I'm, um, did a five year avionics engineering apprenticeship way back in the eighties, um, just after Air New Zealand, you know, got past the biplanes and went to. Um, <laughs> And this stuff really does interest me because it's a um, if, if you get online and Google um, ducted fan technologies, the grunt that uh, they're getting out of um, what are just mini, effectively mini or highly efficient um, fans mm. um, is incredible. And then you, you couple that with what has to be at some point in the not too distant future a sea change from an energy density perspective with batteries, um, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of really interesting scenarios start to become real, right? Mm, and I mean, mm. there's already lots of videos out there of people that have built their own, you know, drones that, you know, people carrying drones and things. There's that guy in Sweden, I think it is. I don't know if you've seen his stuff. It's really, really cool. He's got like 50 or 60 That's, literally drone motors that yeah, lift this yeah. thing up, you know. Um, and of course, the, the big limitation Of course, nothing is, could go wrong with this No, stuff. no, perish the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just 50 or 60 things oh, to go wrong. Oh, yeah, fine. a few lines of code that, uh, yeah, that didn't <laughs> right. work the first few times. But, uh, that's, yeah. a, um, that's why you, the second thing you Google is ballistic parachutes. They're yeah. really good things as well. <laughs> but I think this is really fascinating stuff. And, and again, it's moving at the pace of digital technology, you know, rather than... Um, or seems to be more akin to that than the traditional kind of engineering technology progression. So yeah, yeah, it take long. That's, I mean, it's interesting you raise it. Now, the company we're talking about that has been in the media is um, Lilium, who are a you know, German-based um, air, air taxi startup. But all of the big players are involved in this, and the traditional ones. I, I spent some time uh, during CES with you know, a few of the folk from um, Bell Helicopter, you know, been um, you know, involved in military 
military and varying things. I think they you know have the first vertical takeoff and and landing type uh, vehicle okay. that yep. uh, the U.S. military uh, con- you know contracted them. I think they might have done it as a as a partnership to uh, to to produce, and that's been around for a, you know a very long uh, a long time. I guess in that space you've got the Harrier Harrier jet as well. I don't know if that's something that's still flown out of um, you know which the UK have uh, have have used in the past. That still, the, have you ever seen those things up close there? No, I ha- you haven't. I so ha- the the thrust vectoring on them, you know, the, yeah. um, is done with bicycle chains. Oh, really? like, literally, it's bicycle chains. <laughs> that's it's. You look at it and you think it's this incredibly sophisticated thing, and no, it's not. And then you look at the. Um, Americans developing the F thirty five right, which is a thrust um, vector thrust jet as well, um, and that's all done in an entirely different way. I, I read this thing a while back about the F thirty five. They spent a trillion dollars to develop the F thirty five, and it's a relatively rubbish aircraft because it's <laughs> kind of been designed by committee for multiple usage. They've spent so much money on it; it would have been enough money to buy every homeless person in America a six hundred thousand dollar mansion. That's how much they've spent wow. on the incredible, right? Whereas the the Brits did it with bicycle chains, and you know, absolutely incredible. But this this really is cool. This stuff, and and you know, the fact that already you can jump up on YouTube and see people experimenting with this because the the engine controllers are all just off drones, you know. Um, in fact, the guys that are doing the things where they're flying themselves are literally using remote, you know, the radio control. Like you say, what could possibly go wrong? Um, but, but yes, all those, it's all those off-the-shelf pieces. The interesting it's thing, it. talking to Bell, was you know, I was trying to get a handle on, well, you know, how are they developing what is effectively, you know, titled disruptive technology, and you know, what are the what are the you know, different approaches that they're applying to it? Because I thought, all right, they're, you know, they're going to have a, a very fresh, agile approach. There, there's a whole lot of other startups that are in this space. They're going to be handling it differently than they ever have done before. And they certainly didn't reveal anything to, to down that <laughs> There was track. nothing that gave you that it impression. Was, it was, you know, because I specifically asked them, you know, how do you go about doing this at pace? And they said, well, we've been doing, we've been, you know, making, you know, helicopters uh, for for such a long time. Yeah, we know how to do this and to do it. And maybe it was because they were leaning in on safety and they're trying to differentiate on that fact. But there was nothing in their certainly what they disclosed to me to indicate that they were following any more sort of modern approaches to moving at pace yeah. from an R&D perspective, which, which seemed uh, yeah, some, somewhat, you know, out of sorts, considering there are lots of there are lots of players in there, this. There are and, in, and, in this space, and, and it's already democratised, right? I mean, there's there's a school kid project where they're building an ultralight plane powered by, um, a, you know, a, a electric motor that's using off the shelf controller stuff. You know, that's what will happen. Someone will come from left field and gazump them mm, every mm. time. So yeah, I mean, we, we will we will see and. But this this one, the imagery that's on online, and we'll uh, uh, hopefully these are public photos, and we can um, put put one up on the NZ Tech Podcast site as cool. our image this week because it just looks they look super cool. That's that's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> so, well, there's a re- just as an aside, I, I was in a um, interesting session, or maybe a year or so back, um, with that NZTA ran around the future of transport in New mm. Zealand. They're doing some really forward-looking stuff, um, like I would argue quite world-leading around um, 
transport technology in New Zealand are talking about, you know, um, unmanned shipping and large drones to unload them and all sorts of things. Uh, and there was someone there talking about um, uh, airborne, you know, people carrying taxis or whatever from a fairly well-known organisation that does something along those lines. Uh, and they were talking about some of the economics of it and, and the example that they gave, and I don't think it's talking at a school because it was members of the public there, um, the uh, a taxi traversing back and forth between the Auckland CBD and the airport can do X number of trips a day. Um, they believe an air taxi or whatever doing the same thing can do about 10 times the number of trips. So they see a future where the trip cost will be about the same. The devices, the machines, cost about 10 times what a car does, but they can do about 10 times as many trips, so the utilisation balances out and effectively you wind up with a fare that would be about the same whether you go by car or by unmanned taxi. It's uh, It's pretty cool stuff, right? It's very cool. It is. And again, they're being tested now, right? This isn't 100 years away. This is stuff that's being, you know, in testing now. Yeah. Um, And as well as Bell, Airbus and Boeing are playing in in the space, right? So, uh, and of course you've got Uber, you know, standing there that a bunch of them have have already, you know, uh, you know, uh, partnered, you know, saying they've partnered, you know, Bell certainly was with, with, um, um, you know, Uber's offering. So. The other cool thing, just as an aside, is my understanding is that Civil Aviation New Zealand's kind of leading the um, way in a lot of the stuff from the point of view of legislation around, you know, air pathways or air roadways or whatever they call them, air traffic stuff mm. um, to, to allow for it. So, you know, the future's already being built um, in the sky. We just need the machines that'll get up there and do the thing. Well, let's uh, let's ho- let's hope they get it right. And of course, this is, we've had that work going on in New Zealand as well with um, Zephyr Zephyr yeah, Airworks. Right. Yep. So yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty fascinating. Yeah. Now, um, Cray, this must be a name you're familiar with, Brett. Cray, the makers old, of, doesn't of it? Yeah, supercomputers. Right. I mean, this is a name I remember hearing the name at at, at school, and you know, I guess I was I was a, you know, a, a little bit interested in technology uh, back 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 in those days, back in the eighties. But it's not a name that I would come across no. on a very regular basis these days and until hearing last week that uh, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise and of course HP or Hewlett-Packard split up into the two you know entities they've got uh, you services know, and hardware that's right yep, yep. Um, and the, the kind of the services side the H- Hewlett-Packard Enterprise have bought uh, uh, Cray Supercomputer 1.3 billion uh, billion dollars interesting isn't it you know you could just imagine someone at HPE I don't know, picking a magazine up or yeah. something, and going, or you know, off their desk. Oh, 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 Cray! Oh, they're still around. What are they doing? Oh, we, we could maybe acquire them. You know, <laughs> imagine the the only thing I can ever remember about Cray, um, two things. One is they made super super grunty computers back in the day where those things really didn't exist, mm. um, and there was obviously a market for people willing to pay many many tens of millions of dollars for them. But this great apocryphal story of. Um, Steve Jobs telling the head of Cray that they were using Cray computers to design the next Mac and the guy from Cray saying to him, oh, we're using Macs to design the next Cray. How cool yeah, is that? Yeah, it is. Eh? Even yeah. if it's not a real story, it's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what this will this will mean, but it, it seems like Cray are you know, still involved in 
you know, putting together some very, very high-end uh, systems. And you know, we're obviously in, in quite a different world now in terms of access to computing power with the cloud computing. But I guess it, it still makes sense for government and you know varying other uh, you know situations uh, where uh, exceedingly large amounts of, of power uh, from one computer are, uh, are appropriate right. the skeptic in me maybe not the cynic but the skeptic in me <laughs> would look at that and go you know where's HP in the overall scheme of things in cloud computing you know there's Microsoft, there's Amazon, there's Google, and there's not much else after that. Sorry, IBM and others, but that's the you know it's a long tail, right? Yes, and yes. HPE somewhere in that long tail. I'm sure that there's some IP, some patents, and other things in this that might give them a a, a differentiation or a, something that can get put in the marketing materials that gives them a an edge, you know, or a marketing edge over maybe some of the other. Right, vendors. yeah, maybe it's that marketing edge having yeah. having you know tap into Cray, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, supercomputer sounds. But the funny uh, thing would be, of course, cool. all the you know thirty something CIOs out there looking to purchase this stuff would go, who? Yeah, who's Cray? <laughs> who's Cray? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that uh, that one's in play at the moment, and uh, you know, as always with these things, it can take a little bit of uh, a little bit of time for you know, reality to uh, to to kick in. So, uh, yes, now Google, Huawei. Yes. This is this is really the big the big news. This week uh, is that Trump has really stepped in and said, you know, he's uh, he's stepped in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't fully got my head around what is going to be the impact of the U.S. government. Saying to you know the the tech providers that hey you can't supply you cannot supply to Huawei anymore. By an odd coincidence, same goes for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably something that's beyond his cerebral capacity as well. But it is what it is, and it's been done. So it's going to be interesting to watch play out. It is, and uh, look, I I'm sure there will be more that is going to come to light over the next few days. I don't think we've got the whole. No. the whole picture yet but it, it seems to me just you know dumbfounding you know if you if you flipped it over and and said uh, you know look let's say American companies couldn't buy from China anymore I mean that, don't that, give them ideas that, that, <laughs> you know that's the but uh, you know that China has a has a huge amount of power yeah Obviously, from their perspective, they still need to keep exporting. So, uh, yeah, they 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 have some pressures not to just make yep. things very very difficult for uh, the US because it will be able to damage their their economy more, which maybe hasn't been doing quite as well as they they would have liked uh, in in more recent times. But when I look at Huawei and like anybody involved in the media in New Zealand, uh, and and there's a pretty big list. Um, yeah, Huawei have taken me over to China to you know show me what they do and their operations and and uh, and 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 this and that. Um, it's pretty big scale what, the, what oh, their operations is. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a huge, yeah, huge business. I think in Shenzhen. Uh, well, overall, I think the numbers I read was was were maybe it was one hundred eighty thousand staff. It was you know a huge wow. staff, a you yeah. know big scale. Yeah. Uh, 
and a really big, you know, a big entity within the Chinese economy. Hell yeah. Yes, it's not as big as Alibaba and 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 so on. Probably in terms not of valuation, but it's, Huawei's huge. But it's 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 well on the way. The predictions were that they would probably be the biggest smartphone maker in the in the world sometime over the over the next. A couple of years, you know. I think if you put all the charts together, you would probably land on that sort of figure. And now, Trump's I running mean, on it's, their it's just—it's completely uncertain what the future of their their business looks like. And not just on the mobiles, because on the mobile front, you know, Google have said, "Well, we'll we'll comply." And the initial indications are that means that. Future phones from Huawei won't be able to have sort of a full Android installed on them. No Google Play Store, no Google Maps, Gmail, etc. Basically makes them, you know, yep. pretty worthless in the market. So if that does play out as as initial sort of media reports and, and bits and pieces are suggesting, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what what we will see in terms of a response from China because it is a it's a huge, you know, hit to. I mean, it is a very 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 big economy. So, in the scheme of it, uh, you know, it's it's inconvenient, but it's not going to uh, yeah, but yeah, the probably, optics probably cause a, a a major issue. But I, I can't imagine China not responding. In, in some way, that that said, I guess you can you can look at China and. I guess probably two things that jump out to me. One is that their rules are such that that Google have chosen not to play in the Chinese market yep. in a in a traditional way. That you know they pulled out of offering the Google Google search, uh, you know, uh, because they did that. You know they thought it wasn't wasn't right for them to be, uh, you know, having to modify their listings and 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 so on to comply uh, with with. Chinese regulations Uh, and then um, what's the other aspect the other aspect has popped um, no it's popped out of my mind so let me jump on a few random thoughts of of what they're worth so um, one is on on the um, market positioning thing you know my understanding is that they were um, more currently number three with the bullet and, and they were looking I think their stated goal was to be the number one supplier of smartphones in the next year or two yeah I think number um, three in New Zealand um, they've they've yes. been in the number two position yeah Globally, I think that varies according yeah. to the the peaks and troughs of Apple sales. So, so you know, they were in a prime position, and I think this will um, spike that a bit for them. I think from a, a confidence perspective, I you know I couldn't imagine there'd be too many consumers out there today that might think, oh, right at the top of my list, I'll go and buy a Huawei phone. I think that's going to cause them some problems, and then you get the whole channel ripples and all that sort of stuff of what happens when all the stores get stuck with stock. So I think that's going to be a challenge. Um, then there's the whole 5G thing around Huawei. Um, and, and, of course, all, all of this really comes back to, um, from Google's perspective, the situation where uh, when the American government, often via the Department of Defense, tell you that they shall not export something to somewhere, you don't do it. And I remember when I was at Microsoft, you know, we had products that couldn't go to certain places and You'll see, I don't know whether it's still in the EULAs, that, you know, if you're doing things with nuclear weapons and that, you're not allowed to use Microsoft Word. And, um, you know, they they take that stuff, um, the tech companies take that really, really seriously. Um, So Google were caught between a rock and a hard place. 
Um, Surprised though that we did, we didn't hear any pushback from any of these companies at all. I haven't seen anything in the media. They've all you know the, the statements I've seen. You know, Google and the like is just we will comply. Yeah, well, I think you know, some other things. Sometimes we see a little bit of. We, you know, we're going to we're going to push back on that. There, there, there I, was none of that. I think the challenge they've got in the states uh, at the moment is you've got an administration that I don't think really understands the tech sector. You know, uh, it, it, they've still got um, numerous people missing from the administration. You know, open, open, senior, open um, roles. Um, there's a lot of people in roles that aren't necessarily highly qualified for them. Um, Betsy DeVos, I'm thinking of you. Um, and so I'm not sure that if I was in the position of, you know, being somewhere up the top of the food chain of Google that I want to antagonize a not particularly intelligent beast, right? The, the response could be really, really bad. Um, and so I think complying is probably the only choice that they probably had. That you, you, you know, as well as I do, some of the ironies around this and all the stories in the past about other American-based network suppliers that had backdoors found and all that sort of thing. It's um, it, it's a um, it, it's a pup game of puppetry, right? You know, and I, I think it'll take a while for the whole thing. It, it's it's a, one of those signalling things. They're all going to send signals to each other. I think the Chinese government will respond. Um, and they're pretty canny. They're, they're pretty smart. They'll figure out ways to make sure that it, you know, hurts the people that they want to hurt in the US um, the way they did um, with some of the other stuff they did just recently. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And, of course, the poor consumer gets stuck in the middle of all of this. Google gets stuck in the middle of, of all course, of this. And I yeah. just, it's just yeah. one of those, um, you know, we're living in a very different world than we were three or four years ago uh, from an international trade perspective or understanding of international trade perspective. Um, and I think it'll take a while for these ripples to hmm. to play out. The the point that uh, disappeared out of my head before was, uh, <laughs> yes, was, to, was to do with that some of, some of this you can point – somewhat squarely at the Chinese government who insist that Chinese-based companies comply when it comes to their demands yes. from a from a data perspective, you know that's not something yep. that's that seems to be hidden. It's it's clear that I think the, the word's cho- draconian. I think <laughs> that's the word we're, we're grappling for. But yeah. but you're right. You're exactly right. You either conform or you don't have a business. Right. Yeah. Those are the two yeah. choices, really. And so at any point, regardless of how it has been in the past, how it is now, at any point, this is my understanding on it, is that the Chinese government can say, you jump, you do this, you give us access to that data, you spy in this manner. You know, if the government, you know, demands that, then that that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why... If you look at Kaspersky as a business, who obviously yep. they you know they, they had some issues. They were just a few. <laughs> uh, whether 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 they actually did this or how it happened, but they ended up with you know software that you know, effectively ended up spying on on users in, in some form. It was a complete accident, I'm right? sure. Um, <laughs> and you look at the you know you look at. The Russian regime, and you, you know, you you join those dots up, and you think, well, you know, if you were Eugene Kaspersky, and you've got the KGB, or if you were somebody anywhere else within that organisation who had the ability yep. to put this, you know, dodgy spy code, whatever it was, and you know, into their tool set, 
I mean, Look, the, I, the, I, these aren't the regimes that that you say no to, right? No, I mean, not. We, we talk about Trump and and you know we can we can no, throw no, none all, of those all, all, can all sorts no of to. things, right? Um, but I would I would tend to think that probably the Chinese regime and the Russian regime, based on yeah, all of the other things that we see in the media, uh, even more so fall into that category of, you know, if you don't want to disappear, well, etc. That, that then, literally then, is the thing, right? You, 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 you just have to comply, Lots right? Lots of people turn up dead in Russia for, you know, um, zipped into suitcases and, you know, all sorts of interesting things, right? You, you don't, you, you just do not push back against those regimes, and and it's also worth bearing in mind that you know how many years ago, five six years ago, that the stories emerged of, um, you know, in, in London and in, in main centres in the US of these mysterious fibre cables going into telcos and you know being connected <laughs> into something. And you know, I I was thinking about this on the um, drive here. I remember. Oh gosh, years and years ago, Scott McNeely, when head of Sun Microsystems, right, That's saying right. there you, you, there is no such thing as pro- you don't have privacy anymore. Or something, get over it. And and I, whilst I I despair for the message, I agree wholeheartedly. I think the reality is anything that you turn into ones and zeros, someone somewhere is reading it or capable of reading it. That just is what it is. You can't do can't do much about it, you know. And um, I am sure that if ever there were to be some, you know, um, you know, war or you know aggression between, let's say, the United States and China, I, I would imagine within milliseconds things could be turned on, and you know, feeds and speeds would be provided um, to people in the Chinese government. I think that's just a reality, you know. I um, my personal story around that is I bought a. Um, Xiaomi robotic vacuum cleaner um, from PB Tech just before Christmas. Uh, best home appliance I've ever bought. Um, and one of the wonderful things is it comes with an app and you can see it working your way around your house, right? Or oh, the other thing you do is you, while you're away from home, turn it on at one in the morning just to scare the crap out of everyone. Um, <laughs> but it maps where it's been. And yes. I'm absolutely sure that someone in the Chinese government knows what the inside of my house looks like now. <laughs> it's one of those things. That's the trade-off I've made for a cleaner house, right? Yeah. Um, but, but that's the reality. And I think we just have to, have to accept that, you know. They're, they're all as bad as each other. I don't think there's any paragon of virtue anymore that you can point to and go, these people are leading the way. Maybe that's an opportunity for us, but you know, we really, from the point of view, I'm not of tech, sure. I, I agree on that. I think there will be different, different levels of you know how confident we could be in our New Zealand government versus. Oh no, that's not know, I, other 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 governments. But I think I mean, major it's not, powers. It's not perfect. Yeah. Um, but I think there will be there are there are um, different yeah different I, ethical standards. I, I, I think we probably. I, I, so I do agree, and, yeah. and look, I think you know if I had to pick a place to be. Um, if anything were to happen, I think this would be a pretty darn good place to it's be. A, it's not know. a bad, not a bad spot, is and, it? and not even best of a bad lot. It's just a, it's a good place, <laughs> and it's relatively well run, irrespective of which government. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and you're right, you know. But I think you know you think about in the United States, Russia, China. Mm. Um. There's a bunch of other nations, Israel, some of the others. Mm. You know mm. that that I, I think are probably highly monitored nations, and that mm. just is what it is. And yeah. that's a genie you can't shut back in the bottle, right? It's never. That, that's you know. It just is the new reality, unfortunately. Yes, so I yeah, I guess to uh, yeah, again to vary to varying degrees, right? Um, but we've also got this 
you know debate that's 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 come up uh, because of the video yeah. you know that that was shared uh, in Christchurch. And before we started, you you, know, you were talking me through you know how you became aware yeah. of, of of the shootings. Can you sort of just run us through? Yeah, what, sure. What, what so. So March fifteenth, I was um, I was working from home. I was sitting at my dining table in my dining room and um, watching the television out of the corner of my eye. I hope no one from work's listening. Um, and I happened to be on Twitter. This isn't sounding good, is it? I probably should have thrown a sickie with the benefit of hindsight. Um, and something popped up. I think it was on Twitter that something was going on in Christchurch. And I clicked a link and I found myself. I think it might have been in Reddit, and then on Reddit there was a link, and I clicked something, and I was on Facebook watching a video, and so out of the looking to the right, I'm watching you know breaking news streaming across the bottom of the TV. Something's going on in Christchurch, um, and my other half saying, "Oh, it looks like one or two people have been shot." And I'm watching this video, and it, I joke you not, it probably took me thirty to forty five seconds to click that it wasn't a video game. It was, um, it looked like a video game. Um, Man, the hair on the back of my neck standing up, and um, and then I realised what it was, and, and and shut it off. And I said to her, just after I watched that, I said to her, "It's a lot more than one or two, sweetheart." Um, and it was just, it was eye opening. And and I think you know the, the world changed in so many ways on on that day. Um, and I think it's absolutely wonderful to see New Zealand taking a leadership role in holding some of the technology companies to account. Um, for their actions or their platforms, and, and I think again, we, we you know it's one of these interesting forks in the road where we get into the freedom of speech and censorship conversations and other things. But I, I, I you know, I think we have to have a good, honest, open conversation as a society about um, benefits and risks. And and you know, absolutely, there's some incredible benefits to being able to live stream and all those other wonderful things that the technology provides. But I think with those. Um, Benefits comes some responsibility, not just on obviously the part of the user, but on the part of the platform providers. And I think it's been really interesting to watch, and in particular Facebook, stumble over themselves terribly. If ever there was an organisation that needs a communications plan and half a brain, it would be Facebook. Um, Zuckerberg, I think, is just an appalling ambassador for the organisation. He's done the them no favours he's done the industry uh, no favours either um, you know not and not turning up to congressional hearings and, and to the thing in Paris I think just as a, a very large one finger salute to a whole bunch of people um, which might not be at all what he's thinking but that all we can see you know you judge the man by his actions or lack thereof um, so you know I'm hugely hopeful that out of March 15th will, will come some um, smart well thought out intelligent changes but but then i guess the the other part of my brain dips across to you know you know all of that stuff will harm for example um facebook's bottom line it, it, it's not going to help it it's going to harm it um they're a multi 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 billion dollar organization that can absolutely um deal with any fines that any government ever throws at them it's just a rounding error on revenue um it will it will literally take Governments banning them or shutting them down or, or embargoing or boycotting them or something, uh, which of course then opens up the whole freedom of speech and all the other conversation things, can of worms again. So I, um, I'm really proud of little old New Zealand taking a um, 
getting on the front foot. I think it's really, really cool, and it's actually been neat to see us lead the world, not, not just with what Jacinda Ardern is doing in Paris, but actually the stuff coming out of the Privacy Commission. Um, we've got some wonderful people thinking about this stuff in depth, and I think you know we are seen as leaders in that space. Um, but, man, it's tricky. There's obviously no easy answer. It, it is, you know. and you know, I guess that, that's sort of what's got me around. You know, some of the some of the commentary, the sort of expectation that Facebook can just turn it off, and this whole focus being so heavily, you know, on on Facebook because obviously there's lots of yep. ways that you can get content out there right now. In this case, you know, it was Facebook, and yeah, we we need. The, you know, especially the big providers like Facebook and YouTube, uh, Twitter, who do stream stuff live, to be you know thinking this stuff through. Great to have um, the Christchurch call where you know lots of lots of you know people that can actually bring about change have put their heads together, and there has been a you know a lot of people that have signed on, a lot of organisations that have signed on. Countries, yep. you know, tech firms, um, you know the the backers for those firms from a financial uh, per- perspective. So, yeah, you know, I'm I'm very interested to see what what that will what that will mean. Um, but it's not not a kind of quick easy fix, and it doesn't solve the original issue of what happened I mean that would have happened regardless of of whether whether there was an ability to to, to, to live stream it and of course there will always be other ways to push you know to push content through install this app and do this and you can you know you can do it no it's not going to be on Facebook because of whatever but people that really want to consume that content will be able to consume you know, content just in the in the in, in the same way that the, you know there are people that consume you know all sorts of other content that's it's, objectionable it's, in various it's ways. Exactly right. right. Um, so I you know I, I I think you know this is this is good, but it, it's not necessarily solving the underlying you no, know, and issues. It's not, and it's there not. will there will always be, uh, and I'm trying to think of some nice nice word, but I don't think there is for you know for for people that go out and and murder. Um, Murder you know, scum on on, on mass. Yeah, you know? it's um, you know we 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 are an imperfect uh, world and Correct. society, and you know people's heads get messed up, and they do uh, they do dumb things yep. for for all sorts of motivations, uh, and and you know technology is unlikely to, to to stop that. Technology stopping these things going onto these platforms. Can we ever, you know, put the sort of genie back in the bottle as as it were? Can we, you know, can we stop this entirely? I don't think so. Can we, yeah, improve what happens on social media platforms? Well, yeah, you know, I think there will be there will be an improvement, but often these things are a, are a, are a line that a computer can't define. Anyway, well, right, and, and that's it, it's like you know, if there's an AI listening to our discussion, you know, today, um, you know, what what can it, what can it take out of it? Hopefully, well, hopefully the the listeners are getting something out of this. But um, I'm sure the AI would think these guys are great. These but, guys are really really good. <laughs> but you know, from an AI perspective, they're, they're, and, and look, listeners will have different perspectives on it's, you know every single agreed. you know show they listen to. I liked it. I didn't like it. You know, Paul did this, which I don't like. Oh, Brett was brilliant with that bit or whatever whatever, the other way around, whatever, actually, whatever yeah. it may be um, because these things are also also subjective right and so there's, there's this expectation that you know technology 
can solve these issues. And yet, when we go go back, you know, not too far, you know, the last thing the media were, well, one of the things the media has talked about with Facebook is was Facebook, you know banned this photo of breastfeeding yeah. right so we've gone in one action. direction and now we're sort of in another you know in another and saying well why is it taking you know this content offline and now we're now we're sort of saying it's not taking enough content offline yeah. I mean that, that's because it's actually not easy for the the technology to uh, to get it right and because who defines and sets sets those rules and I guess that's a bit that I'm yeah really interested in from the Christchurch call is can we you know can we clearly define those boundaries in a way that doesn't mess you know too much or at all with you know appropriate free speech and we land in a right place and and when you know Zuckerberg first made this call month or so back saying look all the governments of the world need to get together and agree on one thing I mean I, I scoffed at that it just seemed ridiculous because you know governments really agree on on much and certainly some of the countries we've been talking about before yeah, so in terms of you know uh, <laughs> standards there's certainly not going to be an agreement and so he's really I think set himself up for a whole lot of failure there with you know just sort of you know putting it back on governments yeah, to to do something and and on this broad basis of hey the world decides and let me know because I'm pretty much God but if if you all decide then you know and you all come to an agreement then then yes we at Facebook would would uh, you know would comply with that yeah. uh, which just seemed ridiculous but I absolutely love. That basically, you know, Jacinda and Macron have called them on it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to get everyone yeah. together, yeah. and and we're going to see what sort of consensus we can come to. And uh, you know, I think that that's you know just just genius. And so I'm very you know very keen to see how it will play out. I think these things will take some time, a lot of technology behind the scenes to to work out. But if we can get a you know reasonable consensus, and uh, you know, then then you know, hopefully we land in a good place. Part of it also has to fall back on you know you and me and and anyone else that that sits in front of Facebook and and the, and these tools to realise and uh, you know and I don't think people probably did realise this um, you know before uh, Mar- March fifteenth um, was that we need to be reporting and feeding this stuff yep. back so yep. that so exactly that right. so that they realise you know I think you see something you don't like and you and you close it as your as your you know natural reaction and especially if it's you know that's something of, of this sort of extreme nature but and maybe you know this is where they need to work of oh you cl- you close that without watching it that there's still a way after you've closed it to be able to yep. report back my understanding was and I think this is probably a, a user experience type thing rather than that you know, people were, were really stoked to be watching it. Uh, was that they, they they weren't getting that feedback uh, that this was objectionable content? Yeah. And so there's some. I think there's some genuine work that needs to be done there. Oh, look, clearly. So so that so that that can be that can there, be. There's a whole bunch right. of things in all of this, right? I, I remember when I first got onto the internet. You know, we got on the early 1990s or something, and I genuinely believed that the internet would empower humanity and make everything better. And then it turns out it's just like Lord of the Flies, right? Give us, give us something like that, and we just seem to descend into the worst of places. Um, you know, like I said, um, I think Zuckerberg is thumbing his nose, and and it's wonderful, as you pointed out, to see 
governments of the world um, taking him up on his challenge. You yeah, know, and, yeah, and um, great. Which I'm sure probably caused all sorts of consternation in the Zuckerberg household because uh, that would have been not what he was expecting. Um, and, and I think you're right. You know, I think um, a lot of these tools um, are at the stage where you can do things, but um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And there should be mechanisms for providing you know that feedback instantaneously, very very simply. And, and mm-hmm. I remain to be convinced that um, I, you know, and one of the things I have learned a lot about over the last you know month or two, um, or in prior, actually, I guess, with you know, some of the stuff going on in the States, is um, the, the debate around free speech is a really interesting one. You know, um, one person's free speech is another person's, you know, constriction kind of thing. Um, but there needs to be some sort of boundaries or something agreed somehow, some somewhere. Um, and, and I think... You know, um, if, if Facebook can figure out an algorithm that spots a nipple, I reckon they can figure out some better way of people flagging a video really, really easily that it's um, offensive content, right? Um, and acting within milliseconds, not 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 fifteen seconds, not twenty seconds, milliseconds. You know, this video started playing. I've had a thousand people tell me it's objectionable. Um, bam, the, mach- the you know the mechanism stops it. And if it turns out it's wrong, err on the side of caution, right? Um, versus, oh, you know, but what if we accidentally shut down a wrong video? It's like, ah, these things happen, you know. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure I agree with that, and I'll, I'll, I'll yep. tell you why. Um, this is this is one case in, I mean, yep. there, there are Bazillions billions of, of, videos. of videos that are streamed, yep. uploaded every single day that are you know, probably mostly okay. Yep. You know, I, I really see something that, you know, that, well, I don't that, know. So that, I disagree that concerns with that, right? me. You, right? you, start, you start to see... I guess uh, it depends how, you, how far you deep, dig well, and what you're that, into. That's true. But, you know, there was that whole thing going on on, was it um, YouTube a while back with people posting photos of young girls in bathing, or bathing suits or something. And there was a whole bunch of dodgy stuff going on around that that, right. ev- that everybody knew about. And... And it was all the content was there. It's only literally in the last month or two that I think they've taken taken, taken right, it all down. Right. Okay. It's um, you, but you're right. And, and so the interesting thing with this discussion, I mean, we could sit here for hours and talk about this. I could argue your point as well as I could argue mine, and vice yeah. versa. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. because there's no clear black, white, right, wrong, one zero aspect to this. It's you're right. You know, if if by doing this we shut out all of these people using it legitimately, is is that okay? The and there will, and there'll be, there'll be, you know, there'll be all sorts of unintended consequences as well, right? So, for instance, I've, I've heard and I haven't looked into it that YouTuber put something in for live streaming. You've got to have uh, a thousand people subscribe yeah, to your channel yeah. to live stream, right? Yeah. And so, I don't have a, th- I haven't done a lot through. Um, through YouTube, maybe hundred and whatever it is, subscribe to my YouTube channel. But now, you know, that's that's actually it's going to make it a whole lot yep. harder for me to actually get to get to that uh, point because I didn't meet that before they put that in that in place. And so, for anybody that comes after that, suddenly it's actually it's a lot harder yep. to uh, to get to that get to that point. And one of the things that we're looking at for New Zealand Tech Podcast is we you know we hit we hit refresh, we reset the show uh, with a, you know uh, possibly a somewhat changed format mid-year we may well want to broadcast it out not just on Facebook which yep. has been our easy option recently but on YouTube on the different channels that people are on so they can choose but 
yeah, potentially by that time we will have been banned from uh, being able to uh, use them all because we, you know, we're You're not be banned a, we're on not, YouTube after what I just said. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, but whereas if let's say we we were doing this in the US and you got a bigger market and you know we were whatever, you know, you probably naturally would, it'd be much easier to hit that, you know, yeah, hit that, course. have yeah, that that's following right. that's a good if, point, if you were, you know, take yeah. it, take our audience and, and scale it up by population, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we would be, you know, ab- absolutely fine. Um, you know, looking at some metrics last week and these things change around all the time, but it was uh, something like 26,000, you know, downloads of the podcast in I think the last three or four, or, or, or four weeks and, you know, I take these things with a grain of salt, but, you know, it's, it's, it's enough that uh, you know, you probably would hit hit whatever yep. you know metrics, uh, and if we scaled that across other things, but yeah, in reality, maybe uh, maybe those who watch the live video stream won't won't be able to in future, and, uh, and that will be very hard for us to maybe ever get around. I think there's another point in this too that you just kind of um, flagged to me, which is. Um, a prioritization thing, right? Um, absolutely, there will be some other nut job out there at some point that tries to live stream without, you know, the genie's out of that bottle, right? Um, but there aren't many of them. And, and some mechanisms to shut that down intelligently, even if there's a human sitting behind it, it isn't a bad thing. Um, but there's some other things that probably should have a higher priority. You know, I mean, you, you get on Twitter, and, and there are people on Twitter who should not be on Twitter. Donald Trump's one of them. You know, and, <laughs> and then there's that story that came out just recently where... Um, a lot of people think that he should be, because they sit there and retweet well, his, no, that's true, uh, his, the, his every word, right? But so, the interesting thing is, they were talking, um, someone from Twitter, was it Jack Dorsey? Someone from Twitter was saying that the challenge they had with writing any AI algorithms to filter out um, extremist language on Twitter um, shuts down lots of Republican, um, key Republican um, people using Twitter, you know, actual Republicans, you know, mm-hmm. in, that are, that are in, in government, um, which says something about the language they use potentially and some of the things they talk about. Um, but, you know, the, there are people out there definitely on Twitter that, that um, should be shut down instantaneously, and they've actually done a lot of work around that. But quite clearly, there's a very fuzzy line um, on Twitter around, you know, is this guy violating terms of service? Yes. Is this guy also the President of the United States? Oh, yes. Well, we might turn a blind eye to that for a little while. Um, so it it is hard. And, and, the, and, you know, as you were saying, maybe the video thing isn't the key priority. I think they need to improve some of that stuff, but maybe that's not the thing to put all the focus into. And, and then you've got that aspect of, well, if we take that stuff off these channels, where does it happen? Because people want to have a discussion. Oh, where's, where are they yeah, going? They're, Gab. They're, Gab's then, the place. Then, then there's somewhere where you're going to have it. And look, before we had social media, people could still get together in a bar or whatever yep. location and and have these have these discussions. And I know there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of me that's concerned around you know where Big Brother could take us. Obviously, you've talked you know mentioned before around hey you know our, our privacy's gone. Um, you know and and I'm I'm. I'm, I don't want to be a hundred percent on board agreeing with that. Although I, I, I do it's to true, a, man. I, I mean, you yeah. know, I, I do to a degree, but I think, um, yeah, these things have still got to be held in something of a balance. But, yeah. uh, but you know, that said, I'm, I'm still a little bit torn now that our um, law enforcement don't have the same sort of access they used to when everything was done via text message and phone call and they could you know they could gather all sorts of information by you know uh, talking to a Vodafone or yep. a Spark and giving them a court order and saying hey you know tell us what's happening with this person and we've had a lot of convictions you know even 
even just in, in yep. little New Zealand you bet. that have been based on that that sort of thing. So you know, as as you know, technology has sort of you know come to the party a bit on on some uh, you know privacy privacy matters with the you know encryption uh, of messages through the likes of you know WhatsApp and you oh, know, yeah. Very, but my understanding is that the telcos all hold six months worth of text messages. But they can't look at what's in your, in, you know, encrypted no, no, you're right. on so, other platforms, right? Okay. So, yep. so we've got, you know, it, it's you all imperfect. It's all imperfect, yep. right? Yep. So, yes, they've got that, but we're moving away from that. And you know, of course, if you and I, uh, you know, we're trying to do some, um, you know, covert drug deal or or, or otherwise, yep, we weren't going to we, talk we, about we, that on air. Oh, okay, I said, sorry. don't talk oh, about the covert oh, drug deal oh, on air. Okay. Sorry, I've got mixed up. Oh, we'll yeah. um, you we'll know, be back momentarily. If we were, we would. We certainly wouldn't be doing it on it's a loud podcast. banging at the door. I can hear. <laughs> um, or on a text message, but we'd do it on one of oh. those, other, you know, one of those other platforms. Right. <laughs> you just reminded me. Do you remember um, back? It must have been the nineties or something when when it was revealed. The Echelon thing was revealed, which was the Ameri- I think the American it might have been Five Eyes that was snooping on digital um, communications, and it, um, it was prior to nine eleven. Right. Um, and I remember for a while there, I'd receive emails from people, and their footer would have this tiny little text at the bottom and you'd expand the text up and it would say things like murder, bomb, assassinate and all these <laughs> keywords just to basically overload the Echelon <laughs> servers so that they had so much evil stuff they didn't know so where the real rubbish. evil stuff yeah, yeah. yeah that's right that they would just give up on, yeah. the, on, the, on the whole thing right <laughs> that was yeah. the theory yeah. probably just got yeah. a whole bunch of people into jail but I would imagine after 9-11 no one <laughs> made those jokes anymore but I think I might have even done that stuff myself yeah. but, but the interesting thing I was would this, not be surprised no, actually, in fact, would I, if anybody's listening in and they've got any of Brett's old emails. Yeah, so. delete it. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about it. <laughs> Actually, send it to me. Um, the uh, whole thing with this is the importance of keeping talking about this, right? Yeah. And, and keeping yeah, the conversation yeah, going yeah. and being able to see both sides of the fence. And the, the yeah. interesting thing is um, I follow, I quite deliberately on Twitter, follow some people that are um, a lot more right-leaning than I am and a bunch of people that are a lot more left-leaning than I am yeah. um, because it forces me to um, think about that and there's one particular guy um, who his name's Mark lives down I've never met the guy I just follow him on Twitter lives down in Marlborough somewhere Mark Hubbard his name is um, and, and some of the stuff he tweets I disagree violently with and other stuff I, that he tweets I agree violently with but he articulates and there's others as well the same uh, can articulate his point so clearly so I'll sometimes read a tweet and go oh, man that's wrong and then he'll subtweet a couple of things and I go no no that's right and be like hang on I used to be over here with my thinking and now I'm over here and and that's I think keeping an open mind and listening to these things is the is the critical piece and not being set in your ways I think is the, is the most critical part of this you know um, there's n- n- apart from some real extremes nothing's wrong or right per se I think it's you know and that that um, free speech thing is is a very important part of Western democracy might not be such a big thing in China but it's pretty big over here um, and I think it's important we don't let these events erode that because we've seen what's happened to freedom in the United States after 9-11 right um, and you know there's a country that went from being land of the brave and home of the free or is it the way around to being pretty scared and that's a terrible thing to see and I'd hate to see events of going back to March 15th um, affect some of the fundamental benefits we have of living in a democracy like New Zealand. So that's pretty profound, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Incredible. I don't, I don't know. Well, I think I don't, you start playing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's good that we're having, having these discussions and, you know, I, I agree with you. 
I think where probably there will be ongoing disagreement will be where do we draw those where do you draw those lines how do you say you can't have this discussion and if it doesn't happen in any sort of online context yeah. where does it go how how you know how do you give input to sort of maybe balance out that person's view you know etc if if it is you know way way off the edges how do we, you know how do we address those things um, yeah, and there will always be there will always be places where you know edgy edgy discussions. Most take powerful place. weapon in, in in the arsenal for all of this is education, right? Kids I think comedy is actually quite a good. Well, well quite, comedy's quite a good part. Most of the stuff too. I've learned in the, about the world comes from comedy. Yeah. Comedians <laughs> are great at sort of translating that's this exactly stuff, right? right? But but you yeah. know, kids aren't born racist. They aren't born right wing bigots, and they aren't born. You know, um, I think. You know, we need to figure out how we head towards a world where when a child gets presented with crazy right-wing racist propaganda for the first time, they just burst out laughing and think that's the dumbest thing ever, right? That's mm-hmm. really, we've got to figure that out. I think that's the, um, it's all about education. That's the most powerful enabler or disabler of the bad things. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. that's what we need to and, be talking and about. And I think, I mean, I think we've come a long way when we, you know, we look at, you know, things, jokes, whatever of of you know what was typically thrown around the the, the schoolyard when I was at school compared to yeah. you know how Definitely. how we, how we oh. act these, these days. Chalk and cheese. Um, you know, we're we're in a we're in a whole we're in a whole different place. Yeah. And you know, if I was told to, to be you know, hey, you're being held account for this thing that you said, you know, this many years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I would have said some really really dumb stuff in, yeah. in hindsight when I uh, when when I look back, right and. Um, we we get educated and uh, and I think having the hard conversations. Right? I was at a um, social event a little while back and um, happened to be beside some people who were having a very in depth conversation about um, how white culture was being eroded, and I earwigged on it for about thirty seconds and I'd had several gins and tonics, yeah. and, and eventually <laughs> had to turn around and just say yeah. to them. It's not a thing, you know, and uh, and we actually got into a really interesting conversation. But yeah, um, yeah. I would have let that slide to, to my eternal shame in the past, and 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 now I I won't, you know. I think you just, you know, and it's kind of those um, wonderful um, casual racism ads that the, um, um, which was was it the Human Rights Commission or someone in New Zealand ran recently. Uh, we need to be willing to have those conversations and armed. To have those conversations, and because that is an education thing, you know, when you say something that's inappropriate, and someone you know pulls you up for it, or or forces you to think a bit differently about what you just said, I think that's where the major change is going to come from, right? Not shutting down platforms and curtailing free speech and other things like that. You know, we live in an interesting and different world. You know? We we do, we do. Now there were probably a couple of other tech things we were going to talk about. Yeah, but on now it's show. midnight. We're pretty much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Out of time. I'll mention a couple, a couple of things. Uh, Google Glass Enterprise yeah. Edition Version Two has has been announced. So yeah, we don't hear much about Google Glass now because it's it's a you know it's a product that's designed for that sort of business yep. enterprise uh, use. But nice to know they're still working away, refreshing the technology, improving battery life, all the all the sort of iteration type stuff that uh, that we expect. It's a you know, much uh, more accessible price point than uh, Microsoft's Hololens, although very yep. you know, very different products. But they still sort but of fall under that, that, right that broad augmented yep. uh, reality offering. And there there are other players. You know, Epson showed me their things that were were a little bit Google Glass like. Yep. Uh, you know, when when I was uh, with them and. 
and, and Melbourne a little while ago. Uh, so yeah, there, there's there's you know activity happening in that space, which is which is good. Look, but look, it seems far from come being down, right? far from being mainstream. But as these things develop, I guess we'll get easier to develop and 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 you know do useful useful things on the first them. PC I bought was thirty grand. You know, and 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 now you just when they break, you throw them out. And thirty grand would have been, uh, yeah. It was a really cool IBM XT with no hard drives. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, yeah. Fortunately, it was Air New Zealand's thirty grand, not mine. But anyway, yeah. um, I think this is interesting because eventually, you know, they'll be eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine, and then they'll be two hundred ninety nine bucks at Noel Leeming. That that is what's going to happen. It's just a classic tech exponential if, if it can If it can move from being that enterprise device to being relevant. It will. It, it, in the ah. in the in the mainstream, correct, and and but as you say, yeah, I mean these things come down. I you know I, I remember the you know the first time. Uh, well, no, I don't remember the first time, but I remember the re- remember the discussion because my memory's not doesn't doesn't know what these things don't stick. That's all the drug deals. But, that's but, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish it had been that that uh, messed with them, but uh, no, no. Um, but. Yeah, smartphones used to be very, you know, really, you know, not very accessible devices, yeah. and we started having these discussions that hey, you will be able to get a very capable device for, you know, hundred dollars, sub a hundred dollars. I mean, now the, you know, I think pretty much any phone that you go and buy, you know, any mobile phone, it might be fifty dollars. It's, it's essentially I'm Vodafone still going to be it's still going to be a smartphone, right? Like, and like sometimes you can buy seventy five dollar. I don't know what brand they were, but they seem to be really functional Android devices with good screens. And how it'll, it'll be better better than the first iPhone, yeah, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And it's, uh, anything's better than the first iPhone. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, it's just. It's, it's. I think the applications thing is going to be interesting. You know, what will it be used for? Hmm. Um, and I've, you know, we at Datacom we do a bunch of stuff around Hololens. And I've seen some really, really cool stuff in the enterprise space. I'm still not 100 percent sure, and I think education is going to be another mark, massive market for that. In the home, I'm not sure what I need. Augmented reality for immediately, um, but we've got an Oculus Rift at home, um, and I tell you what, that VR stuff, man. I, and I laughed. I have to be be honest and say, look, um, one of the kids said, yeah, "I'm going to buy this." It's like, mm, okay, it won't get much use. Well, actually, it's pretty cool, and, yeah. and you know, that's it's one of the first generation ones. That you know, they get better and better and better. And again, the price just plummets towards zero. They'll be seventy five bucks or one hundred ninety five bucks or something. They'll be the price of a console or half the price of a console. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's more and more games coming out. The tools to develop on them are getting better all the time. Uh, it's quite, it's a really exciting field. So, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, I think you're, you're right. I'm just not quite sure what are the, what's the what's the thing that's going to push them main mainstream, but uh, price has to be a key component yeah, of that, right? When when certainly Hololens at what north of yeah, three thousand US dollars, that's not a device you're going to see in every home. But look, if it was hundred bucks, probably yeah, yeah. a lot of homes. People are just going to go and pick them up and say, well, the, the, hey, 100 bucks, we'll get one to have a bit of a play well, with. They, they, and, well, uh, the value proposition thing is really interesting, right? Because you're right, HoloLens is like 3K or more than 3K US. Um, 
but for a business that can um, speed up the onboarding of staff or, or get people, you know, the all Nippon Airways, get people working on large jet engines without having to cart around 20 kilograms of manuals, um, it probably pays for itself in the first 15 minutes, um, you know. And, and so I think what will happen absolutely in the home, they'll either be the killer game, the killer app, Pokemon Go will get ported to Google. Something will happen that, that'll, you know, create the demand, which isn't there yet, at a, at a price point, which probably isn't there yet either, at some point those two things will absolutely come together, you know. And, and then, of course, don't discount Apple. You know, they, those guys have a bit of a knack for figuring out a new market or doing something in a different way. And I know um, I follow um, Robert Scoble, right, yes, and, yeah. and, and he talks quite a bit about this space and, you know, about not writing off Magic Leap and certainly not writing off Apple. And Apple have got interesting patents around, you know, fully see-through phones and other things like that. Um you know, if ever there was a company that might pull a rabbit out of the hat, it's probably those mm, guys. Yeah. Um, so something will happen in this space, and they will at some point. You will be here in two or three years, and there'll be two ninety nine at Noel Leamings. I bet you. You know, it's just a volume thing. Yeah, Brett will have called it. I know, I know. Yeah, write that down, everyone. Write that down. And don't send those emails that Paul was talking about. <laughs> hey, thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining us this week. Much uh, much appreciated. We will be back again uh, next week. But in the meantime, if you haven't feedback on our survey please go to nztechpodcast.com slash survey uh, want to know what you think of the show did we talk far too long today uh, we're probably yes. a little bit little bit on the on the edge there the, <laughs> the stats are uh, actually I think they're quite evenly matched between people saying uh, between 45 and 60 <laughs> minute show yep. and those saying between 30 and 45 which is le- leaving me to suggest well maybe 45 is the is, is sort of the sweet spot and I uh, uh, We've, I've probably figured, figured that in the past, but anyway, we need your feedback to, to make those decisions. Want to hear what you like, what you don't like about the show. Should we be doing two shows a week, shorter shows, etc.? Um, but all of that feedback is, is very much uh, very much appreciated. Uh, we will be changing up the format for sure and as we bring some sponsors on board I'm hoping that's going to help fund uh, a little bit of behind the scenes research so when I sit down for the show that there's really really good notes in front of me we've been trying out some of those things and in fact today there was uh, uh, a lot more notes than I usually have for the show and I didn't have to write them myself uh, <laughs> so you know being being able to uh, have a little a little bit of sort of uh, sponsorship support will I think you know, lift the standard of of the show and there's certainly more more work to be done on that front um, but if you can feedback what you like what you don't like if there are you know things you don't want us to include uh, sure we're probably not going to please absolutely everybody that's the, the reality that's safe bet. Um, but <laughs> I you know I am uh, am keen that we uh, uh, we do make some changes so um, nztpodcast.com slash Survey and I, I, that's this won't go on forever. We'll, we'll probably uh, uh, you know cut it off in the in the next little while. What um, this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this episode, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we will keep promoting it at least for another another probably week week or two for uh, for feedback and uh, appreciate all those that have uh, already feedback. Now, Brett, how do people uh, track you down if they're wanting to uh, get in touch? Um, Twitter, Brett Roberts, um, which I thought was quite a good handle, seeing it's my name. Um, or LinkedIn, I guess, might be the two easiest ways to find me. Yes. Excellent, excellent, good, good. And people can find me on those uh, those same places. Uh, you know, always nice to connect with listeners. So feel free to ping me a note, and uh, you know, it's just 
if you are connecting on LinkedIn, nice to know that you're a you're a listener. Um, but yeah, I will often uh, accept random uh, random <laughs> connection. Oh well, a, a percentage random-ish. of random randomish connection <laughs> uh, invites I, I accept. But um, um, I don't know. It's that see that's one of those sort of things. How do you draw the line on people that are trying to connect with you on these platforms? Oh, I've got, could, I've got a, could there I've got be an, an AI? Could there be an AI or an algorithm that could uh, could do a better job that, than I do? I've got theories. A, depending I've got on an NI and natural intelligence way of doing it Um, (laughs) when I get um, invitations from people from um, companies that are all about generating leads and they talk about us both being in the services industry and we should talk it's like no Um, when I get people that are doing a comp sci degree somewhere in in NZ and clearly keen and everything I go yeah why the hell not you know Mm -hmm. so um, yeah LinkedIn's pretty cool I like LinkedIn as a tool actually it's Mm -hmm. um, it's a handy handy thing but um, but yeah, that's my brilliant algorithm that I use. Are they going to hassle me, you know, via a direct message tomorrow morning? Excellent. So those something. who want to try out the algorithm, mess yeah. with your profile first. Yeah, this send a really confusing message to Brett. And I just don't do anything. And let, let, let's see, and we'll ask for some stats yes, uh, next no, time we see you on the show. Yeah, that's right. I'll take, yeah, I'll take some stats. I'll come on with a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you on Google Glass. Yeah, excellent. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you again next week. See you. Yeah. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.